0: Device
1: Nation. Greetings and salutations, Device Nation. You're home for the greatest show on earth, and we know that show is medical device sales with ideas, stories, and interviews to help take you from good to great. This is Kevin Brown, your voice of nutmeg in times of cloves. Yes, the first retraction in Device Nation history. Last week, I talked about that noxious spice in pumpkin pie being nutmeg, and I was so wrong. My mom called me out. She said, no, it was cloves. It was cloves that I protected you from all those years. Hard to believe that a simple spice like cloves in a pumpkin pie recipe can effectively ruin Thanksgiving. Speaking of, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I know I did. I hope you enjoyed your time with your family Uh, I love this quote by George Carlin. The other night I ate at a nice family restaurant. Every table had an argument going, and I hope that was not your Thanksgiving. I love this other quote, too, Jerry Seinfeld. There is no such thing as fun for the whole family. True indeed. This year I reached a dubious distinction. I achieved peak pie. Peak pie. Yes, I did. Room for no more, and cloves were nowhere near the place. Speaking of family, we are in for a real treat today, a conversation with an orthopedic surgeon that I am honored to introduce you to, Dr. Jasper Petrucci out of Illinois, a real family man, and I am so grateful that he made time to be on the show today. Dr. Petrucci, thank you for being on Device Nation.
0: Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate the opportunity to give you information on myself and my practice. I've heard wonderful things about your podcast and really appreciate the opportunity to be part of it.
1: Well, I appreciate your kind words, doctor. I really appreciate you coming on the show to talk about your life and the path that led you to becoming an orthopedic surgeon slash engineer slash MBA. Let's go back to Northwestern University in the late 80s. So what put you on the path to medicine? And if I could even go before that, what was it like growing up in the Petrusi household?
0: So uh, Kevin, I had a very interesting uh, childhood. My parents uh, emigrated from Italy in 1970. So I was conceived in Italy, born uh, in America. My five older sisters were all born in Italy. And my younger sister Uh, was born in America um, after myself. And my childhood was very interesting in that we still kind of followed the Italian lifestyle here in America. Um, My father, um, trying to raise his family, left everything back in Italy and started with nothing. So he worked two to three jobs. My mother worked two to three jobs to get us through he started as a um, carpenter, um, a uh, maintenance man. Uh, and when I see those people at the hospital today, I always try to make a connection because behind those people, I know there was someone like me being raised uh, uh, to become some someone special. So I always try to give uh, people who um, are, are in that type of field uh, recognition at all times. But as a child, um, my fam- my family uh, followed the Italian lifestyle. So we used to make homemade wine, which I still have some of the equipment. We made homemade sauce, homemade pasta, homemade bread, jelly, sausage. So as a child growing up in Italian family, I would have my friends at school doing all these kinds of other things and I'd be home helping out making all these um, homemade type of stuff. But in retrospect, when I look back at it, I miss those days. Um, and things are different uh, now. But uh, that part of of my childhood uh, makes me who I am, especially watching my parents working so hard to put all seven of us through college and professional schools um, just gave me the sense of you know hard work is where it's at.
1: Seven of you, wow.
0: Yeah, six sisters. So uh, having six sisters had its advantages and disadvantages. Um, as a child, I never took a warm shower. Uh, they would dominate the <laughs> they would dominate the bathrooms. So my dad built a little shed by the pool and that was my uh my area of getting ready for school but it did have advantages kevin when i was growing up my father was extremely strict so when my sisters in high school would go out i was the one that chaperoned so i was the most popular freshman high school student probably <laughs> in that in that era so it did have some advantages <laughs>
1: that is awesome yeah uh, so you went on to northwestern university yeah biomedical engineering tell me about that
0: so it, it was interesting kevin i don't know i i for me it was i i saw a knee replacement being done in the mid eighties and that just caught my um uh just kind of caught my attention and for some reason i gravitated to it right away. Um, And I knew that in picking a uh, school, I wanted to do something uh, besides pre-med. And I liked the science behind um, the knee replacement. So I thought biomedical engineering was a perfect fit. Because it taught you, um, especially at Northwestern, you studied things like, you know, kinematics, uh, biomaterials. Um, you also had your, you know, pre-med stuff, your 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 physics, uh, thermodynamics. Uh, so undergrad was extremely difficult because it was kind of a double major. You had all your engineering uh, coursework, but you also had to do your you know your pre-med stuff but i thought it was a perfect fit because you had you had a better understanding uh, uh, or at least a special understanding of a lot of the stuff that's important in orthopedics with biomedical engineering so um i chose to uh go to northwestern uh, because at that time they had a very strong program and i think they still do um, and I think that was uh, what led me to orthopedics.
1: I don't run into many surgeons that also have an MBA. Was that a combined program at Northwestern or
0: uh, Kevin? It was. So it was new at the time um, when I was going through uh, medical school. The uh, the uh, Kellogg School of uh, Uh, of uh, Business Administration um, had a special program that had just come out, I think the year before I was eligible. And they would take two students a year um, who were already in the med school track and um, to do a combined MD-MBA program. And at that time, it was very interesting because medicine was already changing back then in the in the 90s where you know HMOs had uh, begun there was IPOs and um uh consolidation of the healthcare system early on and i felt at that time that this was something that was going to be very important in that physicians should have the knowledge, at least the terminology of knowing w- what's important, so that they could be part of that that medical administrative uh, part of healthcare.
1: care. Well, so, go ahead. I'm sorry, so, to interrupt. Y-
0: yeah, Kevin. So I applied, and I was grateful to be one of the two that were selected in that in that specific year. Or so, um, in my you know, my experience there was, was, was very, very interesting in that in medical school, there was a lot of, you know, individual learning, whereas in business school, there was an extreme amount of um, group think, uh, group tasks, um, which I feel um, was very important, um, even in healthcare, uh, so that when you got Back into your own practice, you knew how to be part of a team and not just an individual.
1: Little did you know then that the business of medicine, so to speak, the, the business side of it has become much more pronounced as of late, hasn't
0: it? Absolutely, absolutely. In my practice, uh, I was able to establish a relationship of one of our local hospitals where we developed an ortho co-management where we help with the orthopedic uh, product line at our hospital, which uh, significantly improves patient care. It improves patient satisfaction. It improves the orthopedic satisfaction in that we have a say, we have um, recommendations to the administration who take them very seriously and implement those um those recommendations.
1: So medical school at Northwestern, you went on to the Ohio State University. By the way, just as somebody who's not from the Midwest, when did that whole thing start of putting the in front of Ohio State?
0: Um, I think that's been part of uh, the o- the Ohio State uh, legend for, for many, many years. And uh, uh, my training at Ohio State was was uh, very 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 fun and when i first got to uh the ohio state it was interesting in that i couldn't understand the uh, the impact that uh, athletics uh, played you know coming from northwestern we had some great years with um uh, pat fitzgerald and them going to the rose bowl um uh, but at ohio state it was a whole different level it reminded me almost of uh I don't want to say, say uh, the terminology, but almost like a cult. <laughs> and uh, at first you were kind of taken back from it. and You're like, wow. But after being there, you just, you know, you just become part of it. And uh, it, it's amazing because we still go to, we still go to some of the games and a um, uh, uh, good part of my, uh, my training um, a great residency program, great orthopedic program that uh, i so glad that I was a part of.
1: So, I have had the honor of speaking with many surgeons that still work at Rush. It's an amazing program up there. Uh, tell me about your time there. Uh, well, your joint um,
0: it was interesting. Uh, you know, um, uh, I had uh, two opportunities uh, for fellowship. One was with Dr. Schmalz um at uh, California and uh, one at Rush. And um, for those who know Schmalz um very gifted, uh, talented surgeon, un- unreal. Yes. But he was extremely tall. And with me being a little shorter, I, th- I you know, I called him and said, but, yeah, I love your program, but I don't know if we're going to be able to find the right height of the operating table together. So... <laughs> But um, so I decided to go to Rush. It was closer to home, closer to my big Italian family. All my sisters live, you know, 10 miles from each other. So um, it gave us the opportunity to be back at home. And not only that, but to 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 be part of one of the best adult reconstruction, uh, having um, people like uh, uh, Jorge Galante and. Aaron Rosenberg, and Wayne Paprowski, and uh, Richard Berger. Um, it, the the training there is just amazing. The research, uh, J- Josh Jacobs in research on metal ions. Uh, it was just one of the most uh, dynamic orthopedic fellowships that I could have chosen, and uh, my experience there was great. We got uh, six months with you know, the folks at downtown at Rush and in six months with Wayne Poprowski, um, uh, a little closer to the suburbs. So um, I felt that that was the ideal program. I mean, it just uh, had uh, everything you wanted in an orthopedic uh, fellowship.
1: You set up shop in Geneva, Illinois, I believe about 16 years ago. Tell me about your, your practice now. What do you do the most of? Uh, what do you enjoy doing the most?
0: So, uh, Kevin, it's interesting because Geneva is about 15 minutes from my hometown where I grew up, and um, Fox Valley uh, had the utmost um, uh, 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 reputation in our community, and it was something that I said, if I practice orthopedics, I want to be home. I was so close to my family. I know they had an awesome reputation. So I actually started um, conversations with the group um, while I was in residency at Ohio State. And the timing just worked out perfect where when I finished my fellowship, they were in need of another total joint surgeon. So it was a perfect fit for me. In my practice, I see mostly adult reconstructive type uh, work um we do uh outpatient total joints uh we do complex uh primaries revisions um we do uh or I specifically do a lot of hip reconstruction as far as trauma uh those kinds of uh, cases um I enjoy my practice um and um being at home um also has its uh uh, benefits and sometimes it's um, it's downfalls. In that, I see patients that were uh, professors of mine, teachers of mine in high school, and and uh, some of them were very thankful that I turned out to be uh, okay because they were concerned while I was grow <laughs> while I was growing up. Uh, but it, you know, it, it you know to be able to come back home and take care of your community, Kevin, there's nothing like that. Um, so I have my own clinic of patients that come in, and on my cell phone, there's a whole separate clinic of family, friends, uh, high school friends, um, that you know are also calling for advice and getting trying to get in. so it, it it's a great dynamic, and I wouldn't give it up for the world.
1: Outpatient joints ASCs are gaining more bandwidth uh, in the orthopedic space every day. I read a paper recently saying by mid-century, 75% or so of all orthopedic cases will be done in an ASC. What has been your experience so far in this uh, transition?
0: Well, you know, it was, uh, it was a great transition. You know, uh, some of the uh, experiences that I had at Rush with Dr. Richard Berger uh, kind of um, uh, helped initiate some of that. But uh, myself and my um, senior partner, David, uh, Doctor David Morawski, who was instrumental in our in our own program here, what we did is what we emulated, um, kind of the ASC at the hospital uh, uh, first for for years. So we would find out what would be the best practice um, as far as patient selection. I think which is you know, your number one, uh, criteria in, in selecting an outpatient total joint. Um, uh, but number two, what best anesthesia practices, um, uh, what would their postoperative rehabilitation be like? Um, how do you ensure their, um, uh, support system, uh, outside the ASC is, is, um, uh, enough uh, to make sure that they can be successful at home and the education that is required even before they have their total joints. um, All these steps uh, were taken uh, probably for about two, two and a half years before um, we started uh, total joints at our own facility. The next part of that was having the commercial. uh, At the time, Medicare was not involved. So but having the commercial pairs uh, in the contracting part of things. We were very savvy in in reporting data that we had at the hospital uh, that we submitted to them. And I think they saw the not only outstanding patient care, but the cost savings. So we were able to start our own program here at our facility.
1: There was a great line in a Bob Seger song many years ago that said, I wish I didn't know now what I didn't know then, which I still don't understand what that meant. But what do you know now that you wish you'd have known when you started doing outpatient joints?
0: That there was so much redundancy and wasted health care uh, dollars and time uh, early on, and we realized those um things um, uh, as we were going through our trials with trying to, you know, uh, find that ideal patient and, you know, finding the ideal uh, anesthetic and post-operative recovery type of um, techniques. um, You know, I I wish that those redundancies and the the waste of healthcare dollars prior, um, I think is probably Kevin for me, uh, the biggest eye opener. You got any advice for surgeons considering uh, making the
1: jump to outpatient total joints?
0: Um, I, I can I can tell you, outpatient total joints is probably one of my um, uh, favorite part of uh, of my practice. Patients do well. Um, uh, the The logistics are so much easier. Um, uh, there's less administrative uh, red tape. Um, what I would, you know, the uh, the biggest advice that I would have uh, surgeons that are uh, trying to uh, begin the process is, is try to emulate the ASC at your local hospital, because that actually helps the hospital. And we were lucky enough to have hospitals who were um, helpful in that process. Now, um, you know, they bet the, you know, number one, the patients, uh, you know, get the biggest benefit, but also the hospitals, you know, their length of stay, uh, are less their, um, their complications are less, but you have to kind of have a, a good working relationship with your, with your hospital and then emulate that process. Work with your anesthesiologist, you know, look at the current literature, Find out what works best for you in your hands. Um, you know what you know. What anesthesia is best? Uh, what kind of pain control um, you do? And and get a series and, and, and get a series of data uh, points set up and and kind of look at those. Um, also very important on patient selection. I can't you know I can't stress that enough. Um, you know, there's there's literature out there now that uh, kind of explains and have criteria and tables uh, that would help uh, surgeons who are initially starting uh, starting off in this process. But having that working relationship with the hospital, you know, picking out 50 patients um, and trying to get them out of the hospital that day and making sure that they're safe at home. Um you'll see that the the hospital is thrilled of seeing their numbers improve and the patients uh, you know prefer it. Now, with the virus, Kevin, I think that this is even gonna um, escalate uh, uh the ASC and the outpatient total joint uh, program. Uh, patients want to have their uh, joint replacement, if they're able to, uh, in an outpatient setting, because you know uh, their exposure is less; they get to be home. Um, so I, I think this is going to propel uh, the already improving numbers of ASC patients.
1: I, I love that concept of ASC emulation. That's uh, that's a good takeaway because. Mm-hmm. Uh, In a lot of communities, it's the ASC versus the hospital and a lot of these scenarios.
0: At first, yeah, you would think that there would be that, um, you know, that, hey, we don't want to help you kind of thing. We want you to do all your cases here. Uh, But that's not the, you know, if if you're improving your patient care at their hospital, I I think they're going to be willing to help you because they benefit too because they're improving their own practices. Um, so, huh. you know, I, I maybe we were lucky in our specific community, uh, to have that happen. Um, I think we're blessed in that way, but I think it's also in how you approach, uh, your administration, you know, your administration and, and truly together, you know, think of the patient as coming first. I mean, it, when, you know, I, it, my, my biggest thing in practice ever starting is whenever I make a decision, if I have the patient's. Best interest in mind, you will never go wrong. As soon as you kind of veer from that, you know, uh, things can happen. So, you know, working with the hospital with that kind of mindset, uh, I think takes away from that animosity or that competition that you just mentioned, Kevin.
1: So what's next? What's next for your practice, your ASC, uh, anything in particular you'd like to accomplish over the next six, 12 months?
0: Well, interesting You, uh, interesting that you just mentioned that. We just had a, a wonderful merger with another local hospital. Um, locally in our um, community, there has been some health systems that have purchased orthopedic uh, um, practices. Um, uh, therefore we felt it was important to, to, to maintain our independence, you know, to kind of join what with another, uh, local orthopedic group who, you know, I would never call them our competition. You know, we were in the same community. We worked well together. Again, we had surgeons from both practices in this ortho co-management that I had mentioned earlier um so we had a good working relationship with uh, with this group so we merged so this is a work in progress um i think it's it's something that when you discuss with other orthopedic surgeons in order to maintain your in to maintain your independence this is something that that's important that's going to be in the future
1: it's always good hearing the word wonderful in front of merger
0: yeah i mean there there don't there's definitely a lot of logistical things and things that you have to work through, But I have to be uh, quite honest, you know, it, it, the process hasn't been as painful as I thought it might be.
1: Tell me how you guys are uh, faring with COVID up there.
0: So um, interesting in, 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 in the Chicagoland area, you know, recently um, uh, we've had a significant increase despite our mitigation process. Um, from the get-go. I think our governor, you know, has taken this extremely serious, um, a lot more serious than some of our surrounding states. And, you know, despite um, all those mitigation processes, we're still seeing, um, you know, numbers uh, increase. And, uh, you know, we try to work together to kind of, um, you know, make sure our patients are safe, our our employees. Uh, It's amazing how and And how wonderful our 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 staff have been in 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 understanding that they're frontline workers and coming into work every day and and knowing that they're at risk. Um, uh, but you know, uh, uh, we weren't surprised by this second. you know, being part of s- some of the hospital administration, uh, there was discussion that you know, in the end of October, we would likely see. Uh, increase in, 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 um, in cases of COVID. So um, I think our hospitals were well-prepared. All the hospitals uh, understand uh, the detriment of other healthcare uh, entities and other healthcare problems by doing a complete shutdown type of thing. So um, we're trying to work through that process, uh, maintaining uh, good healthcare in understanding that we're still kind of in a crisis that we're working through.
1: Speaking of staff, I understand you have an annual camping trip with your OR family at Saint Josephs, and on a primitive scale of zero being tents and ten being embassy suites. What are we talking accommodation wise?
0: Oh, absolutely. For my specific uh, uh, family, it's 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 tents and um, uh, tents and being outside. Now, I can tell you having done this for the past, what, 11 years now, I, there's definitely been an el, uh, evolution. There have been families who have started with tents and now come in with big motor homes. So I can tell you. <laughs> so
1: it's a sliding scale. <laughs> it, it sure
0: is. But I think it's important. I think it's important to ground, um, you know, uh, people and families and kids and, and to, 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 to kind of, you know, say, yeah, you know, uh, you stay at some of the nice hotels, but this, you know, this is also a part of it, you know, and uh, it's a, it's a great time. I mean, um, like I said, uh, um, we have a working relationship, a great working relationship with our staff here at at our own uh, institution, as well as the hospital and um, uh, their camping trip, uh, which started out with maybe seven to eight people has now turned into a 40, and taking over the entire uh, campsite uh, has been has been very special.
1: Have you taken any of your guests on a snipe hunt?
0: <laughs> I think I was taken for a snipe a snipe hunt one of my first or second times. And uh, yes, uh, that uh, that tradition continues. <laughs> With some of the new, <laughs> with some of the newcomers,
1: that's a legacy that has to be passed down from generation to generation. Absolutely, I, I sat out in the woods at a Boy Scout trip with a stupid bag in my hand for forty-five minutes until I realized what was going on. So, yeah,
0: was
1: hilarious. <laughs>
0: it so,
1: is good. Uh, so, I got a couple family questions for you. Um, one of them is more of a guy centric question. I was reading an article about you and I saw that uh, your wife's birthday, your anniversary and mother's day often fall on the same day. So my pressing question to you is, does one gift provide broad spectrum coverage?
0: Absolute zero. uh, No uh, on that, Kevin. (laughs) But let me tell you, uh, out of all the decisions, and, and I think I've made some very, very good calculated decision that's probably one of my best um it was interesting because uh kevin when i when i was here at northwestern and i matched at the ohio state um we were in a in a place where okay do we wait this out um and you know five years or do do we make this happen now um, it was interesting because you know, short after we met, I knew that this was gonna happen. so that that time frame, Mother's Day birthday um you know, was gonna be uh that weekend, and uh, I'm so glad that we did because uh. Um, uh, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. I just got to remember one date now.
1: I know you're really big on family and I'm with you on that aspect because this job can take as much time as you want to give it. Tell me what your kids are up to these days. Anything exciting going on?
0: Oh, absolutely. I have been, uh, you know, I've been really blessed with, uh, kids with good health and good, good head, uh, head on their shoulders. Um, I have a son uh, who is uh, on a presidential scholarship uh, at the University of Alabama. Um, So uh, he's uh, studying chemical engineer and uh, pre-med. So he's going through the exact same thing that I did. So it's been very special in that I feel like our relationship has taken to a new level because I know the exact same thing that he's going through taking thermodynamics with organic chemistry and physics and calculus three. So uh, the only thing that sometimes we don't agree on is college football. I mean, he's from Alabama and I'm from Ohio state and Northwestern. So, uh, but it's fun. Uh, I have two daughters. uh, They're in the middle. I have one graduating uh, high school. Now Uh, she's entering a pre-dental program. uh, So, Ah, uh, that's going to be a new, um, you know, a new chapter in our life. I have another uh, younger daughter who is a sophomore, who's the sunshine of my eyes, and um, again um, does extremely well in school. is extremely talented golfer, you know. Uh, so we're hoping that's going to open some doors for her. And then I've ha- I have a younger son who plays uh, competitive hockey. And, you know, it's interesting in that uh, we have our own family, but then we also have a hockey family and it's an interesting breed of, of, of families. And, and it, it, and it's, you know, I thought we were close as Italians, but hockey families are take it to another level. And uh, we are, you know, friends and family with people that my son has played hockey since he was been four years old. Um, he's now entering his bantam years, which means they can check. So as a orthopedic surgeon, I, I feel like I'm doing a lot more work than watching, but, uh, he's, uh, he's, um, he's a beast on the ice and it's just really fun, uh, really fun to watch him and watching all his friends, uh, come through that maturity process it's really something special
1: i'm a johnny come lately on hockey all the wasted years i i just absolutely love that sport it's it's hard to watch other sports now yeah once you get used to the pace and impact of hockey it's- yeah, absolutely
0: the speed of the game uh I, like i like i've told other people there's nothing like watching you know any kind of level of uh, playoff hockey and um the speed of the game the excitement the you know how close the the game can be. Um, you know is, is something that uh, I think. Um, you know, especially after watching the Blackhawks win the Cup three times and then going to a, a baseball game right after that, it's, it, 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 it's kind of a different whole different experience. Um, but yeah, we uh, we love hockey. Um, I can't skate with a uh, with a darn. Uh, I don't know where he got his, where my kids got their talents. Um, they're all talented in, in one way or the other. Um, you know, my older son can sing like you wouldn't believe. Uh, he's an awesome tenor, um, won many awards. Uh, so, uh, I, am just really blessed to have, uh, the family that I do. And, and I have to tell you that my wife is just the, uh, the kind of the concrete that keeps all of us, uh, uh, together and sane and, And uh, she's been my rock through some health issues. And, and, you know, when I'm not there as a a father because I'm an orthopedic surgeon, um, I just can't say enough. uh, um, You know, sometimes I feel like I truly won the lotto uh, with meeting my wife.
1: I'm right there with you, doctor. I just celebrated my 35 year anniversary yesterday with my concrete. Wow. And I know exactly what you're talking about. You brought up the, the health issue thing and uh, yeah, I don't want to go anywhere. You don't want to go, but if you want to talk about that. Yeah.
0: I mean, uh, um, I, I had, uh, definitely some, 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 some health issues in the past. Uh, um, about seven, eight years ago, it started out with some abdominal issues. And, and, uh, uh, I have to say that the other second most important person in my life is my physician assistant. She's been with me for almost as long as my wife. And the two, my wife and my physician assistant have a relationship like, um, uh, it's unreal. They're, they're like sisters. And, and, and I don't think Kevin, I could have gotten through some of the health issues without those two being as close as they are, you know, um, my, you know, my physician assistant just kind of knows me now. And, you know, I went through, you know, four or five abdominal surgeries, um, Uh, had to uh, go through recent cancer surgery. Um, And my physician assistant made a comment to me one time, and she said, uh, Dr. Petrucci, I think you're the only person that I think has ever operated with drains, a colostomy, a Foley, a pick line, um, and um, uh, still recovering. And, um, you know, uh, without her, I couldn't have gone through it. Uh, it's just, uh, it's been really special to, you know. I think in life, when you when you make good decisions um, and you surround yourself with people um, that really care, um, you realize how blessed you are. You know, even my reps. Um, one of my reps is uh is uh, a co- is a high school friend, a, uh, someone who I grew up with. And, um, you know, uh, uh, having that, have that, you know, those kind of relationships, Kevin, I think is, you know, is, is unique. Um, uh, you know, some of the reps that I've met in the way become like family. Um, so, uh, you know, and maybe it's in, 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 in looking back at it, Kevin, maybe part of it's me in that, you know, uh, just uh, me trying to be kind to people and, and just maybe you get blessed by having people who feel the same way. And, and, uh, boy, I tell you, having, having the team, uh, and, and the family and, and the reps that I do just kind of make, uh, working, uh, for, uh, myself in my home community, just, Something that is so special um, that I I don't think I could have wrote a novel uh, to kind of to kind of bring this out. I mean, it's just it's one of those things that, you know, uh, if I had a reality show, you know, I'm sure I would have done extremely well.
1: Any particular role model mentor that's kind of gotten you through life from professional training on to now? Uh,
0: You know, this may be kind of cliche, Kevin but i have to say it's my parents they were people who were well known in their communities in italy my father was a mayor of his town in balcastro italy he was the owner of a government store they had a comfortable life and in the hopes of bettering his children Gave up everything, completely everything, and came to America with nothing. And us kids, me and my six sisters, lived that American dream. And it was their dedication, their hard work, their sacrifices, and, you know, not seeing them during the day because they were working you know, two, three jobs to get us through uh, college and to get us through school. Um, they could never help us educationally wise. They couldn't help me with a thermodynamics problem. But boy, I tell you, the love and the dedication that they gave me, I think, far went, went far beyond anything else they, they could have done. And I think I live my life that way now with taking care of my patients, giving everybody, you know, that I work with the 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 respect. So there's a lot of people, you know, in the orthopedic industry, you know, my my mentors, Thomas Mallory and and Wayne Poprowski and and from an orthopedic standpoint, boy, I wish I could be half the surgeons they were. But from a life standpoint, trying to emulate what my parents did. Um, and doing it with my own family, uh, it's uh, it's something special. I mean, you know, being together every Sunday with sixty, seventy people coming over our to our house with uh, big family Italian dinners, something that you don't rem- you don't forget very easily.
1: Tell me about the Italian relationship with food. I mean, it's legendary.
0: Uh, it, it's <laughs> you got to be careful nowadays because they, you know, if you have too much carbos, you know, you kind of in my bodybuilding days, you know, you have to, you have to be somewhat, you have to be somewhat careful, but boy, um, food was the glue to the family. I mean, everything evolved around, um, you know, the, the Italian meal and, and not only, not only the meal, but the preparation, Kevin, I mean, you know, knowing that you, personally made the bread that was, you know, cut up for dinner and, uh, or the sausage that was made or, or, you know, um, uh, the wine that was being served. And that was something that was interesting, you know, in my family in that, you know, when we were younger, um, you know, alcohol was, you know, especially just specifically wine was something that wasn't frowned upon, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was welcome. It was never abused, but it was something that, you know, you had conversations and memories over. Um, so, you know, at the time when I was growing up, you know, I would say to myself, boy, I wish I was with my high school friends because they're going to this party, but yet I'm home doing the next step for the wine process, you know? And at the time, sometimes I'm like, oh, You know, I wish I would have, you know, been able to go to that. I heard, uh, you know, some good things about their party, but I tell you, now looking back into it, I don't give, you know, I don't, I wouldn't have given those up for a minute. And and I wish I could have emulated the same for my children. And I think we do, but in different ways.
1: A scrub tech recently told me if you take a plate of spaghetti with sauce and all that, and mix a spoon. Of peanut butter in it and let it melt and stir it through about how amazing it was. She shared that little tidbit. And I'm just wondering out loud has she shared that with you? Would she no longer be allowed in your room? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be sacrilegious in an Italian, fa- an Italian family. But as a scrub tech, I'm sure she knows some things that I don't know. So I would have to give her the benefit of the doubt. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> well, as passionate as you are about food, I am so passionate about all things that have four wheels. And my dream car is a nissan gtr nismo and most people don't know what i'm talking about but i have a good idea that you know exactly what i'm talking about
0: oh yeah kevin um uh, uh that was you know um having a you know having a family uh, we tried to save and you know um you know building your practice you know took a while you know the three m's medical school mortgage uh in marriage, um, you know, the, in being a physician, an orthopedic surgeon, and I think everybody who listens to this podcast understands that there's delayed gratification. But my first sports car was a 2009 Nissan GTR, and the engineering of that car was just raved upon. Um, It wasn't the prettiest cars, but the performance of that was just uh, unreal. And another one of my partners actually had a um, uh, a kind of like a a membership to the Autobahn here in Chicago. So we would go out and uh, go racing and uh, that GTR, the power and the modifications that we did with it. Uh, just gave me an outlet from the, the grind in and the and the, and the seriousness of healthcare and, and, and being an orthopedic surgeon. It just was one of those hobbies that, you know, something that you can kind of talk to with, with other people and people like yourself who are, are car guys. And that led me to get a second one and one of the special types of uh, cars that just, uh, again, it's always about creating memories, Kevin. And and those were one of the th- uh, one of the things that uh, uh, created quite a bit of memories. Some good, not some not so good. But um, yes, yeah. The Nissan GTR then led to uh, a a big uh, Ford uh, Raptor. Cars have been always uh, one of uh, one of my hobbies uh, outside of work.
1: My crack research staff snapped a shot of your Raptor. Uh, we both love that same uh-huh. color, uh, magnetic gray. And I saw that. before performance banner on your front windshield tell me what you've had done to it
0: so there was a uh lift a four inch lift done with uh modified tires um a complete new bumper uh with special lights uh and a special a bumper with certain towing capacities Mm -hmm. um also had some engine work done uh some special lights to it and um um, some of my partners think uh, think it's a little extra and a little special, but, uh, to me, um, you know, uh, there's nothing more gratifying than being done with a 12, 13 hour day and then just getting into something that you like. And those, those 10, 15 minutes, Kevin, that you have on your own in your car are something that you have to, you have to cherish, because it's the the few times that you're by yourself and that you could just think about things, think about, you know, the day, how blessed you are, you know. So that car ride home is just, you know, something, you know, for some people it's, you know, the car's nothing special. But for me, I, you know, I, uh, that's something different.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, there's always certain vehicles that you can, uh, and I love that phrase, a little extra. You know, you go out, you go out and buy mm-hmm. a Kia Sophia and get a four-inch lift and 37-inch tires. It's just not the same. <laughs> uh, it's right. It's that's
0: right. That's right.
1: beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ride. Let's put you on the podium for a minute as we close up shop here. Uh, any parting advice to uh, the reps? Uh, you mentioned your rep before. We have a lot of reps that listen to this show, and they're always interested to hear uh, your perspective on them and what can they do to do their job better and what impresses you with reps and what, what do you, what do you think makes a good rep in this business?
0: Well, you know, um, again, I, uh, um, I have to say, Kevin, I've been blessed with some, some phenomenal reps and, and, and not only are they reps, they've become close friends, uh, as, um, I'm sure with uh, most orthopedic surgeons, uh, you know, the biggest thing you know is communication. And um, you know again, that that central message that i it keeps coming up is always think of the patient first. So when we're dealing with a you know uh, that tough primary or or that revision, you know, having that communication, um, you know, having set meetings with, um, you know, your reps, you know, where you template, uh, cases and, um, you go over the instruments that are needed. Um, you know, my reps are very, very good in that, you know, they've become so experienced and maybe it's because of that dialogue that we have in, in me teaching them some of the stuff that I understand and having their knowledge of, what their stuff, their equipment can do for me um, over the years. Sharing that, and uh, one thing that has been problematic, Kevin, in the rep industry is is the turnover. And I, I think you know, for for me, you know, having the same people for so many years, uh, you get you get that um, you know you get that partner like you. you you know, in hockey, that other defenseman who just knows what your next move is going to be um, or that wide receiver who uh, the, the, knows the quarterback's going to throw the ball right here. It's the same thing in, in health care where a rep can look at an X-ray and call me up and say, Dr. Petrucci, you know, I think that, you know, whatever stem or cone or what, you know, might Uh, Be beneficial. I didn't see it on your list, or whatever the case may be. And and having that understanding and and having the equipment there for you, um, you know, is is something that's extremely important. Um, You know, I you know I think every person who's in that operating room uh, serves a vital role. You know, your scrub techs, the anesthesiologist, your your physician assistant, your nurse. But that rep, um, you know, I can't I can't say enough is 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 a vital, uh, a vital role. Um, And um, them thinking ahead for you um, uh, definitely helps decrease the stress level in in situations where the stress level can be extremely high.
1: That's so true. The longer you work with each other, it almost becomes a, a Scotty
0: Pipkin and Michael Jordan relationship, right? Absolutely, I mean absolutely, and and you know, with all the mergers and acquisitions, and and you know how things change in the healthcare. Sometimes uh, we lose that when when reps are forced for whatever reason, you know, to to make um, decisions that you know may benefit themselves. You know, we hate to lose those uh, highly qualified rep, but to You know, if 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 I hear leaders of these companies in this podcast, my advice to them would be that there's nothing more important than the relationship between a rep and an orthopedic surgeon, Um, you know, uh, I I, at least personally for me, I can't stress that enough. Um, So all these uh, administrators who are listening, I I hope they kind of understand that from an from a surgeon standpoint, that's, uh, that's extremely important.
1: Well, Dr. Petruzzi, I am so grateful to have you on today. That was just an inspiring story. And, uh, I've just really enjoyed hearing about you and your family and, and your practice and your camping trips. You, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to dust off my tent. Make it happen.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. The kids, the kids will be grateful for you. Um, uh, just have a blessed life and, and, uh, I just thank you for the opportunity to allow me to share this with everybody. And I just hope everybody gets something out of this.
1: What a great conversation. Again, so thankful for Dr. Petrucci coming on the show to share his life and his heart. And I love his passion for his family. I love this quote, a man should never neglect his family for business. And that is from Walt Disney. Speaking of Walt Disney, I have my own camping stories. Uh, I was neglecting my family for business, not out of choice, but I was covering a lot of trauma at a level one hospital near me, and it just started getting really crazy. I nearly missed the birth of my son. I missed the following year of basically him growing just because I was at the hospital seemingly all the time, and I decided something had to change. So we went out and bought an RV. And I decided that wherever I go, the family's going with me. So they went to orthopedic meetings all across this country. And one particular year, I had a great idea. Let's take the kids to Disney for Christmas. Because who in the world is going to go to Disney World for Christmas? I thought we'd have the whole park to ourselves. I never researched that. I get down there and find, oh, by the way, that's the busiest time of their entire year. And a couple million other people had the same idea. Nobody's going to be here. I'll never forget leaving our RV. We got a camp all set up, went into the park, and on my way out of the campground, I noticed everybody's awnings tilted, and of course, my OCD side took over, and I looked at them, and I said, look at these people. They don't even know how to put their awnings straight. That just looks ridiculous. Of course, we're in the park. A rainstorm comes in, and I realized to my chagrin why everybody's awning was sideways to let the water run off the awning, and of course, mine was on the ground in tatters when I got back to the RV. So a $1,000 later, we continue on. I nearly lost my son, which was terrifying when you turn around and realize, where's my kid? I'm at Disney on the busiest day of the year. Now I know what those completely demeaning leashes are all about that I see people uh, have attached to their kids at the parks. Uh, As we're driving back, one of my kids, the only thing they remembered was the ride that they didn't go on. And I'm thinking, I want a refund here. All this money and the only thing that you remembered is what you didn't get to do. Classic, classic stuff. One of my favorite family RV stories was when we took the coach up to Tiffin in Red Bay, Alabama to get some work done on it. And we were exhausted after the long drive that day and stopped at a local diner and... I know all about Alabama sweet tea and know that hyperglycemic shock is in your future if you don't cut it a little bit. So I said, look, I I want half sweet, half unsweetened tea. And the waitress looked at me funny, but she said, sure. So she brings me back my tea. I take a sip, realize it's unsweetened and I was too tired to fuss. So I just drank it and shut up. She came back 15 minutes later, noticing that my glass was empty. And she said, and I quote, you want your sweet now? We had a great laugh as a family, and uh, those are the kind of memories that you create doing these things together that are just absolutely priceless. What's the takeaway today as we exit this Thanksgiving season is that family always trumps business within reason, right? If you got a trauma case, you got to go to it. I understand all that. But at the end of the day, your family has to have priority over all this other stuff, because all this other stuff will take as much out of you as you want. So it has to be intentional. Maybe you need an RV. Maybe you need to make time for a trip, a date with your daughter, some time with your son, some time with your wife. You've got to do these things. I have to do these things. Uh, When you are breathing your last breath, what do people ask for? It's not a copy of their bank statement. uh, What was the colors on my CRM dashboard? Pictures of the Raptor? No, no. They want to be near their family. They're asking for their family. We have to be very intentional, making time to prioritize that, an order of operation, so to speak. You know, we can always do better in this regard. My father's no longer with us, and I did not do a good job keeping that relationship together uh, for many, many, many years. But thankfully, I got it on track not knowing that in a few years, he would be gone. And I just have wonderful memories of that short time I had with him, camping together with him. Just wonderful times. Glad that I called him. And that's what it starts with, right? Call your mom. My wife reminds me all the time. It's good to be reminded of these things because we can always do better. I love this quote. Parents are the only ones obligated to love you. From the rest of the world, you have to earn it. Isn't that priceless? And Brashear's. Yes, indeed, we are obligated to love our family, even that crazy uncle, which I realize I have become that to my nieces and nephews. I never saw that coming. So as we enter into the holiday season, there's challenges all around us that we're all struggling with. COVID is right up there just creating havoc. But let's just remember kind of like a triage, right? That family has to be right up there at the top. CRM dashboard, not so much. We have to do these things. I get that. But at the end of the day, the ATM machine that we always need to be aware of that needs deposits is our family. So for the record, I'm very thankful for my Device Nation family. I appreciate each and every one of you making time each week to listen. And we've all gotten better at this thing together, I hope. And I hope you have an awesome time with your family this holiday season. And hope you finish the year strong. Hope your quota numbers look great, that your dashboard looks great. If any of you would like to donate a Nissan GTR to a nonprofit foundation that I just started uh, five minutes ago... (laughs) I'm more than happy to accept it. What an amazing car. What an amazing conversation again. Thank you, Dr. Petrucci. And I hope you all have an awesome
0: week.